Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In his treatise on virtues and vices, Alcuin of York is going to focus primarily on a, by that time, fairly long-established schema of the eight capital vices, or the eight principal vices, as he's also going to call them here. And this is an idea that eventually is going to morph through Gregory the Great's Moralion Job into the now familiar seven deadly sins. So if you have been looking at the names of these, you know, gluttony, lust, pride, and you're like, oh, that sounds like the seven deadly sins. There's a very good reason for that. There are two, you could call them complementary, but also somewhat rival arrangements of the key or capital things that lead us astray. The eight capital vices, the seven deadly sins. There's a lot of overlap between the two of them. And it's a really central idea in Christian morality that comes from monastic literature, the monks who are thinking about this. The first person to really focus on this is Evagrius Ponticus, who views these as eight bad thoughts that demons implant into our minds. By the time that John Cassian is going around the desert monasteries in Egypt, uh, Palestine before that, but primarily Egypt, and having these conferences with some of the abbots there, there's already a well-established teaching, you could call it, of the eight capital vices. And a lot of this is sort of experiential. This is identifying the main ways that people go off the correct path and get themselves into all sorts of trouble. So by the time that Alcuin himself is writing about this to Count Guy, you would have both the eight capital vices out there and the seven deadly sins, both as understandings of this very complementary to each other. And, you know, it's worth spending a little bit of time on this. Why are they called the seven deadly sins? They're not deadly in the sense that if you do them, you're going to die or something like that. They are deadly because just like the eight capital vices, they lead to so many other sins or vices or iniquities, wickednesses, ways of going wrong. And so... In chapter 27, Alcuin is going to tell us there are eight principal vices or the originals, and he uses that that term, of all vices, and he uses a metaphor here. They are like roots. So if you don't do a lot of gardening, you may not know about this, but there are some plants where you can cut them back as often as you want. If the root is still there, it's going to spring back. I mean, you've probably seen this with trees that have been cut down and a shoot comes out. Dandelions are like this. You know, you have to be very careful to pull the whole root out or else it's not going to do you any good to cut the dandelion. There's many, many plants like this. And that's great. We want those plants to grow. If it's vices, bad character traits within us, the not just lack of the virtues, but 
things that are opposed to the virtues, well, then this is a problem. And, and people encounter this all the time. If we take, for example, lust, right? If you are struggling with lust and you say, all right, I'm not going to look at pornography. As a matter of fact, I'm actually not even going to look at things where there's people who could be attractive. When I'm in the you know grocery store and I see those magazines over there, TV guide, there could be somebody attractive on that. I'm going to avert my eyes. Well, well, that may not actually cut off the problem at the roots, right? And we could say similar things for wrath, getting angry. Oh, I'll just not express my anger when people get me riled up. Oh, you, all, you're going to stuff it down inside? You're actually fertilizing the root in that case. So we need to actually pull out the roots, he says, and cut off the shoots if we want to follow this metaphor out. And he calls these vices that will generate other vices of diverse iniquity or diverse unreasonableness. And he uses the term iniquity, meaning wickedness, ways in which we're being bad. And they affect both the mind and the body, the corrupted mind and the unchaste body. Now, I do want to point something out that is not being mentioned in this treatise, but is a basic assumption of the monastic literature on virtues and vices. That is that the corruptions of the mind, the vices of the mind, are much, much worse than those of the body. It's not good to be lustful. It's not good to be gluttonous. But those pale in comparison to greed or vainglory or spiritual sadness or wrath or any of those other things, which are much more dangerous, much more serious for the, the people who understand this correctly. So what are these different eight capital vices? Again, you'll recognize a lot of the seven deadly sins in them. Gluttony, gula, you know, stuff in your face, eating more than you ought to. And he's got some discussions that specify gluttony a little bit more that we'll talk about elsewhere. Lust. Now, not libido in Latin, but fornicatio, where there's a little bit more emphasis on the doing, right? Fornication is within the medieval Christian schema of things, basically screwing anybody or anything that isn't your spouse, <laughs> Right? And, you know, also it could extend to having sex with them in the wrong ways, you know, or even the wrong times. You know, maybe you're not supposed to do it when you're fasting or something like that. But lust and gluttony both are corporeal bodily sins that lead to other sins, right? So, you, you know, your sin for lust might lead you to, or your, your vice of lust might lead you to acting like a greedy bastard and trying to make as much money as you can so you can frequent prostitutes or, you know, similar thing with gluttony, right? Ooh, I got to eat the best food. I'm a foodie. I need a lot of money so I can do that. Or it might lead to treating people badly. There, there's all sorts of possibilities. Avarice or greed. Now we start getting into spiritual sins. Avaritia. Very problematic from the perspective of anybody who buys into these, in part because there is that passage, the love of money is the root of all evil, coming from one of Paul's letters. And so there's a long debate in Christian thought about, you know, how central avarice is. Anger, ira. And if it bothers you to think that all anger could be bad, just call it wrath instead, right? Because that could also translate ira. 
Anger gets us in a lot of trouble and it leads to a lot of other vices and sins. Weariness, Acadia, a distractedness is another way of putting it. This is something that fell out of the seven deadly sins because it got rolled into sloth along with sorrow or tristitia. But it was recognized as a significant problem by these monastic teachers. Sorrow as well. Not all sadness is necessarily bad, but there is a kind of sorrow that keeps you from doing what you ought to do, that distracts you. And that might be why weariness and sorrow could be rolled into the one vice of sloth in Gregory's account that is not here in Alcuin. Alcuin actually treats these as separate problems. And then we get to two that are kind of similar to each other, but also different. Vainglory, which in Latin, is kenodoxia, coming directly from the Greek, meaning empty glory, right? Vain means empty or meaningless or something like that. It's also vana gloria, right, is another way of talking about it. And this is where you're jockeying for social status. You want people to like you. You want more than you should. You want people to recognize you. You need to be the one who's in the spotlight. You need to be the one who's getting the awards. Or if we're talking about social media, you you need to be reshared and have people talking about you all the time. And then finally, pride, superbia. Pride, you might say, well, isn't that the same thing as vainglory? Well, for these monastic authors, no, they're kind of similar in that you can be prideful or vainglorious about any of your achievements, but pride really amounts to wanting to throw off any rule, any governance by anybody else. You want to be your own boss and to be greater than others as well, and not just in the sense of glory, but to think of yourself as perhaps the center of the universe. Alcuin tells us that the very first vice, the most principal vice, is spiritual and it is pride. And he talks about this here. He says, about which is said, pride is the start of all sins, the queen of all evils, through which the angels fell from heaven, which happens from contempt of the mandates of God. Okay, so that's angels and stuff like that. How does it apply to us human beings? It happens when the mind is raised about its good works and thinks itself better than others, when in fact it is worse than others by the fact that it reckons itself better. It also happens through obstinacy, when people despise obeying their lords. So when we don't recognize the proper authorities over us, and that could be, you know, all sorts of things. I mean, we don't all have lords, but if you go to the doctor and you're like, I'm going to boss my doctor around and tell him how my treatment ought to be, you're being kind of prideful, right? If you go to your kid's teachers and you're like, I think I know more about education than you do. I'll decide what the curriculum is going to be. You're kind of being a prideful jerk in that case, right? So the first vice is spiritual. The first corporeal vice is glut wanting to eat too much. And here, Alcuin actually says something kind of interesting. He says, through which the first parents of the human race lost the felicity of paradise and were ejected into the wretched misery of this life where every person is born through sin, lives through work, dies through sorrow. Now, this is not a typical point of view, but Alcuin is connecting together this primal disobedience with wanting to eat the fruit. By the way, no notion of whether it's an apple or a quince or whatever. It just says the fruit of that tree, right? In the biblical text. 
Now, the last thing to say about each of these eight capital vices, oh, I do have to mention one other thing. So envy, envy is discussed in the treatise on the virtues and vices in chapter 22. Envy is one of the seven deadly sins. It is not in the list of the eight capital vices. However, John Cassian does discuss envy and Alcuin does discuss it as well. So, you know, that's kind of an outlier there. In any case, each of these vices has some virtues opposed to them as remedies. And he talks about this at the very end of the chapter, that's number 34, about canodoxia, that is vain glory. So he says that pride is conquered through humility, gluttony through abstinence, fornication or lust through chastity. Avarice, interestingly enough, here is conquered through wisdom. Now, in a lot of other treatises, avarice is conquered through charity or generosity, but here it's conquered through wisdom, which presumably would lead to that. Anger is conquered through patience. Weariness or Acadia is conquered through constancy of good works, making yourself persevere in them. Bad sadness is conquered through spiritual joy. Then vainglory through the charity of God. So charity, caritas, love, is doing a different job here than it often does. It is helping us to overcome vainglory. And all of these virtues that he talks about are all associated under the cardinal virtues, the four main virtues of practical wisdom or prudence, justice, fortitude or courage, and temperance or moderation. So these eight vices are very important to identify and to struggle against in Alcuin's On Virtues and Vices. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, Keep studying these great philosophical works.